Welcome into an all 22 podcast. We have the band back together. Ray's got sexy voice and Bobby's back to help with the female viewer ratings. Uh, guys, love it. How you doing? I'm good, guys. I, I think I, uh, I think I'm going to curse in today's episode. Just a just a warning in the beginning. Oh gosh, I did a little bit yesterday, so I'm good with oh, it. Really? Yeah. Like I'm back, and I need Ray to know, like I'm I'm back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Another pain in the. In the I'm not going to curse. There's going to be a pain in my neck today, but like I'm I need excited. to curse. I need to curse so much that Ray cannot edit it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we're talking about quarterbacks. Like I'm super passionate about that. So like. That's where it's going to come from. But Passion, there's going to be curses at every level. Okay. I wanted to comment on your shirt first. Oh, dude, I just threw this on. Yeah, it's not related at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw it on. It was actually sitting right next to my All-22 shirt, and I'm like, nah, you know what? They deserve it. My school deserves it. When's the game? Tonight? Tomorrow? Saturday, 6.09 p.m. Oh, oh, nine. 6.09. 6.09 p.m. Yeah. 17 seconds. It's been unbelievable. Everything that we've gotten after that first win against Memphis has been gravy. Um, I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been amazing. I'll give you a minute I mean, to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So actually, Ray asked me, and I'll put this on on record, okay? And hopefully, my dad doesn't hear this. But Ray asked me. He said, "Would you take this national championship?" for FAU in basketball if it meant 20 years of no Super Bowls for the Giants, guaranteed. Honestly, I would do 20 winless seasons for the Giants to have this one championship for FAU because it's been it's been that amazing. So it's just different. It's different. I think, uh, I think I'll always – I am a Giants fan, right? I'll always be a Giants fan. But it's different because, like – and this is going to sound corny, like I am an owl. I am not a giant. Is that you know what I mean? Yeah, you kind of look like an owl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I do get it. I do get it. Being a pioneer, right? Like that's first and foremost. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. Just, just remember this: when you guys are getting your quarterback takes from a basketball guy, the rest of this podcast, <laughs> basketball guy. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, yeah, you said it, Bobby. We're gonna rank some quarterbacks and. I've been doing a lot of rankings lately, so I kind of want to hear you two go at it a little bit. So we're going to do the top five, but I want to start at number one. I don't want to start at number five because I think things actually get a little more interesting towards the end of the rankings. And Bobby, you've been gone for so long. You take number one. Yeah, for sure. So interesting, like I wrote down my list and then I started to put some notes together and like did some deep dives. Um, One of my favorite guys to watch if anybody doesn't know him. I I don't know his name, but it's QB school on YouTube. The, The dude's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like all of his breakdowns are really cool. Definitely check him out. Um, but I had Bryce Young as number one before I started this. And now here I am sitting here and this is like a last minute thing. And it really doesn't matter because, you know, depend. it's so situation dependent. But I'm going CJ Stroud, number one, just as a pure prospect. And I'll get into that. I'll get into why a little bit later on when we talk about Bryce Young. But I'm going CJ Stroud, number one. I absolutely love what he can do from the pocket. Um, I think mobility is is great with quarterbacks, but Super Bowl winning quarterbacks can win from the pocket. And I think you saw CJ Stroud do that time and time again at Ohio State. I think he's super athletic, but he doesn't. It's clear that he doesn't depend on it, um, and I think that's that's a recipe for winning football, um, but also a recipe for winning grades. Right? That's at the end of the day, that's what's important to people listening to this. Um, and his numbers are unreal. 
He's had an average grade of 90 in the last two seasons. Uh, there's really like no dips or anything. It's just really, really good football. Uh, 40 plus touchdowns in his last two seasons, and he's safe with the ball, just under six picks uh, in each. 94.2 passing rating when throwing, uh, passing grade when throwing deep. Those are huge things that factor into your grade. You can be safe with the football. Can you make the big time throws? So, yeah, it's really, it was really hard for me to watch CJ Stroud and not put him at number one. The only reason why, like, I kind of had him at number two is A, I, I don't trust Ohio State guys. It's a little bit too perfect of a situation, right? And kind of leading into that with B is like his receivers are unreal, unreal. <laughs> and it's not like he's throwing to somebody who's wide open every damn time. There's certainly those window throws. There's those 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 throws where he's throwing guys open, right? But at the end of the day, like, dude, that that receiving core is insane, insane. Um, but I'm not going to hold that against him. I I still have him up here at number one. So you say that you just kind of, that was like on the fly, but it wasn't that you read my article a few days ago on quarterbacks and I had CJ Stratt at one, right? That's not why? No, I tried oh, to do okay. this blind. So <laughs> okay, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like Ray, do you have anybody, do you have somebody different at number one? I do have Bryce Young. <clears throat> um, okay. And it's, I, I think the grading wise, when you watch them as far as, hey, Big time throws, impressive throws, and plays being made. I think with their arm, he's almost as impressive as as CJ Stroud is. Maybe not from pure arm talent, but as as far as actually getting the job done. But I think there's a little more playmaking ability with Bryce Young with his legs, as far as buying time. And to be fair to Stroud, for the most part, he never had to buy time. The time was just always afforded to him because he has like five plus seconds in the pocket to throw to those monsters at receiver. <clears throat> so I get why someone could have Stroud at the top. I just think there's a little more playmaking ability with, uh, excuse me, someone would have, yeah, Stroud at, at number one, but I think there's a little more playmaking ability with Bryce Young. And Bobby, you mentioned it. Those receivers at Ohio State were fantastic. They have been for, for years at this point now. The situation is so great. At Alabama, that really wasn't the case this past year as one might think it was. The receivers were barely above average at best overall. That was not the same Alabama team that most people are used to seeing and watching over the last decade plus under Nick Saban. That was a down year for talent at Alabama, at least on the offensive side uh, overall. And so there was more put on the shoulders of Bryce Young, and he delivered time and time again. I mean, if Alabama lost right which which they did a couple times now which is like a total anomaly it wasn't the fault of young he he basically carried that team to wins they might not have otherwise had uh that you might think that is just sort of the norm for them because of their talent advantage so i get why from a pure throwing standpoint you could look at stroud and everything just looks beautiful and you go okay yeah that's the guy uh, i i just like the playmaking that we saw from Bryce Young uh, time and time again, which we just didn't see from Stroud until that Georgia game. And I don't like that. I only saw it once. So, I mean, Ray, you almost sold, lead, sold me just because of your sexy voice. Like that almost just <laughs> like, I, I almost couldn't control myself over here. Like it, you had me describe it, <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me ask you both this question. Cause this is, this is, I think why I had Stroud at number one. And I think what I'm hearing Bobby say too is when I saw 
CJ Stroud's game, I don't think there was a single element of it that I thought was even average or below average. Everything was at least above average, right? Not that there was like all these elite traits, but everything was above average. And I think when I watch Bryce Young, it might not just be his size that's below average. When I look at like maybe even his arm strength, like is he, if you ranked him in today's NFL, where would Bryce Young fall with arm strength, right? Where I think CJ Stroud still is probably above average with arm strength. I wouldn't put him below average. Um, I would say right around league average, maybe a little bit better. Um, so it's not something he's going to you know, hang his hat on, but it's definitely good enough given everything else he has. I didn't see a, I didn't see a weak arm for Bryce Young at all. Mm-hmm. What, what I saw that and, and, and Ray, you kind of gave him you kind of see you kind of saw this a different way. It's pretty clear. But what I kept seeing with his with his big plays, with his highlights, with his splash plays, almost all of them were plays where it was a broken play or is a play that he flushed out, extended past the original progression of the play. Like CJ Stroud, you go through you go through his every, every pass in every game. His best passes are off his off his last step in his drop, fire away, right? Bryce Young is a little bit different. It's him, okay, I'm I'm going to tuck, I'm going to run, I'm going to I'm going to buy more time. Love that he keeps his eyes downfield when he does that, but don't love that how often you see him do that. Like I don't know, I, I would just rather see him drive the ball off his off his off the last step of his drop and you just don't see it enough. Or I wouldn't say you don't see it enough. It's that you see him break the play too much. Which which could be, right, like kind of to what Ray was saying before, where it's just like the the talent around him in Alabama this year was really not that good, like relatively to like to what Stroud had. But I think also like the other aspect is just like, what is it about Stroud that you look at and you say, that's not good enough? There's nothing. Yeah, it's not that he shows anything that's not good enough. It's, okay, what happens when things go bad? I've, I've, seen, <clears throat> I've seen Bryce Young in the fire many times. I've only seen Stroud in the fire once. And to be fair, he did, he, he did very well. He stepped up to the occasion against Georgia and got his team in position to, to win that game, if not for a missed field goal. Right as the clock struck midnight on New Year's, it's fantastic. Um, but you didn't see it often, and it's it's preconceived bias, and you try as a scout to avoid this at all costs. But you look back at the other two first round Ohio State quarterbacks lately, and it's sort of the same story with them before they got into the league. It's like everything looked great; they were phenomenal. They, they were throwing for fifty touchdowns with like three picks, and you know slinging the ball downfield and everything was great. And then you never saw them in the fire. And then when they got to the NFL as passers, they struggled, right? Uh, the late Haskins more so than fields. The jury may still be a bit out on fields, but we've seen that fields has a lot in his game that still needs to be developed in the pros from a passing standpoint. And we'll see how he does now that he's got a bit of a supporting cast, but it's just because we've seen this story before with Ohio state quarterbacks and we've seen them struggle because everything is not just laid out on the silver platter for them once they get into the league. So it's not that Stroud did anything t- himself to make me go, oh, man, that's 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 worrisome. It's just that he hasn't really faced the, the adversity so much. 
that does worry me. And that's, that's originally why I had him at, at number two. But at the end of the day, kind of like what Chris is saying, just about everything you saw, you saw him do well. The one thing I would say, 43.9 PFF passing grade under pressure, that's not amazing. Odds are wherever you're going to go, it's going to be not the greatest roster. Um, but I think in time, um, as he develops, as the roster develops, he'll be a, he'll be a really good quarterback. And I think just one more like stat that we can point to to kind of differentiate Stroud from those other Ohio State quarterbacks is his average time to throw. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do know that Stroud was much better than those guys. And I think that was like a major kind of like people people ignored that a little bit when you were talking about uh, Fields and, and Haskins. Like it was like, yeah, they did everything well, but it's like, oh, but they took four seconds to do it where Stroud is doing everything well and he's doing it in under three seconds. I don't know what it is, but say it's under three. Um, yep. So yeah, but let's move on. So Bobby, kick off your third guy. Who is your third guy? Yeah, my third guy is Anthony Richardson. I mean, he's my favorite prospect coming into the season. Although it, to me, it was like kind of a disappointing season for him. Um, I could not wait for Kyle Trask to get the hell out of there <laughs> so I could just watch Anthony Richardson evolve. And that's kind of the problem. I felt like he needed another year to evolve. And maybe if Kyle Trask did get the hell out of there, we'd be okay with him joining. We'd be okay with him uh, entering the draft this year. But right now it seems a little, eh. um, it's funny. I think the last time we were on this podcast, we were talking about how, oh, everybody was going nuts over his, uh, his combine. But like, we all should have expected that, right? And now everybody's going nuts over his pro day. We all should have expected that. Like this guy's good on air. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he's got the, the highest ceiling of the group. I think that's, that's an easy statement to make. Um, not a ton of passing experience with just one starting season. He's got insane intermediate and deep passing grades though. I mean, 85.8 intermediate passing and a 3.1 deep passing. So I think those are things that can, you know, if he's in the right system, um, I think those are things that can sort of elevate his floor and take him to the next level as he gets onto your all 22 teams. Um, so one of the things that we knock him for is that he doesn't throw with touch enough, but when you watch him, like he can do it. It's just like, he's choosing not to, <laughs> it's like, it's so frustrating. So to see that he he's capable of it, to see him with the right coach, I think, uh, I think that'll go, that'll, that'll bode well for him. Uh, but like the dude can rip it. I mean, he just, he has a cannon. It just, you just want somebody to be able to tame it. Um, he, I saw he had an uncatchable pass rating of 28.2%, which is, like a little scary. I think that's a result of him just trying to just fire the ball in all the time. That's not always the right throw. Um, so yeah, I think it's really dependent on landing spot with him, but that running game um, as, as a runner, I think that that elevates his floor. It sounds really lazy, but like I would love to see Baltimore come up and get him and move on from, from Lamar Jackson. I think that'd be a really great, great spot for him. So he's, he's also my third and <clears throat> I'm a little worried that we haven't seen that next step, right? Like you mentioned, we kind of wanted to see him stay in for another year and develop as a, as a passer and just more consistent consistently because that accuracy is, is so hit and miss and you have to be consistent at that in the league, but the ceiling is there. <clears throat> and I think one thing you look at and PFF has mentioned this, uh, several times that the no pressure grade for a quarterback is 
much more sustainable than their grade while under pressure and more indicative of their overall play and potential. Stroud and Bryce Young are both in the 90s. Uh, Anthony Richardson, 84.5 uh, grade while from a clean pocket last year, um, which is good, right? We're going to get into some other quarterbacks that are much less than that, and that's a, a bit concerning. So I think Richardson is sort of that last quarterback for me where the threshold is, okay, do I draft this guy with the intent of making him a starter for my franchise? I think there's a cutoff after Richardson, and Richardson is more hit and miss than the other two guys we've already discussed. So I agree with everything you said. I would also have him as my third. I just really want to see the accuracy imp- improve, which is a scary sentence to say because oftentimes that doesn't happen. But I need to see more consistent accuracy from him in the NFL because he's got sky-high potential. He's just got to be more consistent because sometimes he's just all over the place with his feet, his arm, his progression. Sometimes he's just chaotic. And it's great to be able to make plays outside of structure, but you have to just settle in a little bit and, and take what's there more often than not. And I think he still has to work on that. Throughout the whole process so far, all you've heard is that this is a group of four, that there's four quarterbacks that all could be in debate for that top spot. And I think all three of us are in agreement that that's not true. And there's really three. I think I would go a step farther and say, I think Anthony Richardson is just as likely to be successful if he lands in the right spot as Stroud or Bryce Young. Like I truly think that those three guys are all good enough and toolsy enough to be successful at, at kind of the same level because Anthony Richardson is not that complete pos- prospect from a pocket perspective. He, I think he makes up for that plenty with his athletic ability, right? And that does matter in the NFL, right? You saw Justin Fields struggle as a passer, but because he was able to do stuff with his legs, he was successful. You saw that for with Lamar for years, right? So I don't think there's any reason to think that Richardson can't be successful in the NFL. I think Bobby, you're, you're spot on that if he goes to the Ravens, like it would be amazing for him, but I actually have like another team. I think if, I think it's actually likely too. now that like Jalen Carter is kind of falling down draft boards. Right. And like people are starting to sour on him a little bit and like, there might be personality concerns. There might be commitment concerns, whatever it is, he's falling down to me. That means that if the, if the um, Cardinals go Will Anderson at three, what is it? What is so enticing out there for Seattle at five that's going to steer them away from not taking Richardson, right? And if 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 Seattle takes Richardson, he sits for a few years behind Gino, who's a great mentor and a leader. He can learn those leadership skills. He can learn, you know, how to how to be a quarterback in today's NFL for a couple of years with Pete Carroll, one of the best coaches in the NFL, and that's just a recipe for success. So, like, that's where I want to see him go. I love that, but I also have somebody else penciled in to go to Seattle. Ooh, <laughs> but like not not in the first round. But uh, I think that'd be sick. I mean, I think that's a that's a great match with uh, with Richardson and, and Pete Carroll. I think e- either way, if it's Baltimore, Seattle, I think those are two really good spots for him. I like that a lot. I, th- I think I may like Seattle more than Baltimore, based off of that elevator pitch you just gave, Chris. I think I think you already sold me because I think it's it's important for Richardson to go to the right situation because he has more boomer bust than someone like Stroud or Young. And Pete Carroll's near the top of the list of guys I would want to see a quarterback like that go to. 
if I want him to reach his potential. There's that voice. I'm he, sold now too. Yeah. He turned into like Darth Vader though on that one. I have to go like change my slacks. <laughs> yeah. I was scared and turned down. <laughs> We're playing her here. We're pushing through. So like if, if Pete Carroll's out there listening, all I would say to him is like, listen, when you play all 22, Tyree Wilson is only going to be worth 6% of your team. And like, he's not a finished product either. So like, why would you take that risk on somebody worth 6% of your team when Anthony Richardson could be worth 10% of your team? Right. So like, yeah. Pete, if you're out there listening to all 22, just, you know, hear my words. Well, if he's out there, he's going to want the number four quarterback on my list in a later round. He can have both. He can have his cake and eat it too. Who's your number four? I hate this. I'm going to agree with Bobby. I already know it and I'm mad. Go ahead. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Okay, good. My man, pots and pans. Who do you think I was going to say? Hendon Hooker? I I, I did. I did. But yeah. No, it's, it's, you could go either way. But I have DTR, my guy. Guys, five years of experience. You guys know, Chris, I know you love that. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. Five years of experience evolved into a really, really good passer. 70, 70% pass completion in 2022 and killed it at the combine. It was like not a throw he didn't make at the combine. I, I really don't think he gets enough credit for how good he, has, good, he, good he is as an anticipatory passer. Like we talked about guys that on the last step of their drop can fire the ball away and make their – first, second read, whatever it is, and go through their progressions. That's DTR. So I'm doing it time and time again. Can be kind of sloppy with his footwork at times, but I think those are things that can get cleaned up with the right coaching, like Pete Carroll. He throws a, a tight spot on a rope, and he throws with touch, which I love to see that. He knows when to do it. Um, I just talked about, like, uh, Anthony Richardson struggling to do that. DTR can do it. He's extremely mobile, but like doesn't rely on the broken play, kind of like we talked about with Bryce Young. Um, but yeah, some of his some of his best throws are on the last step of his drop. Um, he's a really good runner. He's tough as shit, but I think he's got to work on avoiding like taking the big hits at the next level because it doesn't really seem like the like the biggest dude, kind of like Anthony Richardson, who should also avoid taking hits at the next level. Um, but yeah, I love this guy. You guys know he's like he's my Madden quarterback, and yeah, I would love to see Pete Carroll come around on day two and pick him up and do the same thing he did to Russell Wilson for DTR, who looks a little bit like Russell Wilson. Wow. So Ray, before you go into your number four, I want to talk about DTR a little bit because mm-hmm. I had a similar observation, Bobby, where I said I think he is the best quarterback of this draft prospect with going through his progression. Like you see him do that. And that's something that you get with being a five-year starter, right? Like that's, you can't get that experience any other way. Um, The only knock I had on him is his throwing motion. So like one of the things I loved about Lamar coming out is like, he almost looks like Aaron Rodgers where he like flicks his wrist and the ball's out of his hand. It's just a flick, but like DTR looks like a baseball player, right? He's got like a really long wind-up throw and there's not many quarterbacks in the NFL that like get away with that. So they say that you should be throwing your throwing motion should be like you're like in waist high water, right? And the ball should never go under the water, right? Mm. And you see Dorian Thompson, DTR, put the ball under the water a lot. So, but I think those are all things that can be cleaned up. And that's why I love him so much is like, there's, yeah, there's things. His, he doesn't really feel the pressure all that well sometimes. Um, His footwork's a little sloppy. Like I said before, sometimes he's like a little flat footed. His throwing motion can be shortened. But those are all things that I think, like, as a developmental guy behind, like, Geno Smith, I feel like he could be a really good quarterback. Agreed. And, like, so Chris Sims also had him 
in his top five. So curious, you know, you're a giant fan. Maybe there's some conspiracy theory behind that. But uh, not a giant though, dude. He, he actually says like not so nice things about the Giants. Really? Like, I'm sure his dad's like, yeah. I Hopefully. forget what it was a while ago, but I'm going to be like, what a, what a douche. <laughs> Maybe his dad like spanks him afterwards. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but, I think what, but I think what I'm hearing is that like it's a group of three, like we said, and then there's probably like four guys that could be debated at that number four and five spot. So, Ray, who do you have at number four? Oh, gosh. I had Hooker and don't love it because I have a lot of concerns with Hooker. Um, Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee. The main one being that he was essentially, when it comes to NFL draft prospects, a nobody until he came into this offense that's pretty gimmicky at Tennessee and put up big numbers. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's he's a big he's a big quarterback. He's got a pretty big arm, and now he might be a first round pick. I don't like that, especially if he's going to be twenty five years old, right? Where were you the first? Where were you the last five years, right? Where was this guy? Is it you or is it the offense that you were placed into? And I think that's a trap that many teams have fallen into previously, which has led to to some quarterback busts. But I do like. His intangibles, I like. I, I like his his mobility. We'll see now coming off of the the ACL, which is another concern, right? The the injury history there, but I do like his game and how he can move around in the pocket. And he seems to have a good command when he's on the field, a good feel. You never really see him panic, right? Um, I mentioned how Richardson can be chaotic. We talked a little bit before about Levis and how he can be chaotic, right? And and Hooker plays in the chaos when it's there but he seems kind of cool and calm under pressure, which I like. And that's something where I go, okay, I see a big, I see a big, uh, a big arm, a big, a big quarterback that can move a little bit who has a pretty good demeanor. I can work with that. I don't see him. Like I mentioned, he's below the threshold for me as someone I'm drafting on day one uh, or even in the second round. That's just for my personal opinion, as someone who I would have a, a stake in for being my future starter but he's someone I think is worth taking a chance on getting him into your quarterback room, starting as a backup and then seeing if he can develop into that without necessarily mortgaging your, your future or high draft capital on. So with, with uh Hendon hooker, it's more so the traits that are there, but some concern around, uh, was it you, was it your offense? And are you just the type of guy that, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty calm. You have a great demeanor and you do really well in interviews and on the whiteboard. And that's why you're kind of skyrocketing up boards right now. It's, it's concerning, but after the first two, I have concerns about all these guys. Cool. So, you know, it's, it's when I put out my quarterback rankings, I feel like I did it a little prematurely because in the last couple of weeks, the things I'm seeing about Will Levis, who I had as my number four quarterback are very concerning. My like comp, I know you love comps, Ray, for Will Levis was Carson Wentz in his play style. But throughout the process, I was like, I think, you know, as long as he doesn't have maybe the personality issues that you hear Carson Wentz has, that he could be a really successful quarterback in the NFL with that similar skill set, but maybe he's more of a leader. But now I'm seeing him take like shirtless pictures. He's all jacked up. Like, that's not at all what I want from my franchise quarterback. Like, I don't want my franchise quarterback being a weight room guy. Like, that's just not what I want. And Hendon Hooker, all I'm seeing is that he is 
the a leader like Jalen Hurts is a leader. Like all I've heard about was Jalen Hurts killed the interview process. He was the best leader some people have ever like spoken to. And you're hearing similar things about Hendon Hooker, which I really like. The concerns about him being 24, 25 years old coming off into ACL, I think are very real. I think him playing in that offense, which is not an NFL offense, is a real concern. Um, yeah, there's it, it, it's it's a question mark after number three. So I think any of these guys can be argumented at four, but I think Hooker's leadership skills might be a reason to say maybe he's really the number four. Yeah, so I think once you get past that no-brainer franchise quarterback threshold, right? Like we talked about for me, that's CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, Anthony Richardson is a little bit more of a wild card, but he's got that ability. Once you get past that point, it's about who are you comfortable with adding into your quarterback room and seeing if he can become something. And I think uh, Hooker's presence, his leadership, what he's shown to date is he's shown someone that coaches will be comfortable with adding to their quarterback room and seeing what happens. Agreed. Bobby, did you have Hooker at five? Did not have Hooker at five, although I really thought about it. Honestly, just because I wanted to give you guys my my Will Levis breakdown instead. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh oh. You guys know how I feel about Will Levis. I think I was the first one to call him like kind of a douche a while ago, and Ray edited that out of the podcast, which is fine. Um, he's got a rocket arm, like he's got a legit rifle, but like he does not use touch. And unlike Anthony Richardson, where like you've seen him use it. Um, I don't know if Will Levis has it. So that's something that like, hopefully he can develop over the next few years. Um, my comp with him is actually uncle Rico. Um, <laughs> just a big, big douche who can throw the ball over mountains. So Will Levis equals uncle Rico. Um, he didn't play much in 2020, but posted 60 grades in two of his last three seasons. I understand the roster wasn't great, but Ray, we talk about wanting to see guys perform well under fire. He didn't. Um, Double-digit INTs in his last two seasons. Chris, you talk about him being a weight room guy. He's got a body like Tim Tebow and Brady Quinn. And like, in this case, that's not a compliment. Right. Like, I like those other guys. Just didn't didn't really turn out so well. Um, he really didn't throw well at the combine. He looked stiff like a, like a weight room guy and really inconsistent. Um, his body of work and like his, and, and his tools put him in my top five. Um, his body of work in 2021 is what puts him in my top five. Um, anybody who's drafting him is hoping that what they saw then can come back now. Um, so I don't know, although he's got the tools and he's a bit of a tool himself, um, the poor footwork and inconsistent accuracy scared the hell out of me. So for his sake, I hope he lands somewhere like Vegas. I think he can learn behind a douchey quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo and a coach who's used to that type of Gosh. quarterback. Um, considering he'd coach Jimmy G, douche, Mac Jones, douche. So like, yeah, that's my take on Will. <laughs> can we do can we do the graphic for this episode? Just Uncle Rico, like it's just yeah. Uncle Rico. Dude, that's tailor made for TikTok, baby. <laughs> you can make that one. I hope Will Levis puts out like a like an Instagram video and a tweet just going so hard for FAU this weekend in the final four, just, just so Bobby can change his tune completely. Um, Look, I, he comes yeah. off like a douche. I'm not saying he is one. I don't know him. I'm just saying he comes off that way. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it before. I agree with the stiffness in his game. I don't like stiff. It's tough. You especially see it if he's trying to throw 
not even across his body, but just like over to his left. It's like, you need to be able to throw to your left. You can't just like not be able to consistently throw to one side of the field as a quarterback when you're in the pocket. That's really bad. And he just, I'm not a, a quarterback guru or anything, but you just see that he's he's too stiff to make those throws consistently. And I think that's a big problem. And that's something where you can't just run your way and lower your shoulder through once you're in the NFL consistently. Those are things you have to actually fix in your game over the long haul and get to the root of those issues. And we didn't see that in college. And so to bet that you're going to see that in the pros is, is a total gamble, right? And so for an all 22 user, I mean, you're not drafting someone like Will Levis as your number one quarterback anyway. He may be your number two, um, likely just more of a, a developmental flyer that you sort of take and just see what happens over a couple of years. Uh, so despite the, like the position weight, for example, that's not someone I would take in the first round of a rookie draft, maybe not even the second round. Um, wow. And I just struggle to see the landing spot that makes me comfortable though, because even though stylistically the Raiders are a bit of a fit, I think the Raiders are a mess. I don't think McDaniels, uh, Josh McDaniels is going to be there in 12 months anyway. I think the whole situation is just going to get blown up and they're going to start from scratch. And Will Levis could just get lost in the shuffle if that's where he goes. Um, but then I don't see one where I go, oh yeah, that's great. This is exactly where Will Levis should go, where I'm comfortable with him. And I think it's just because I'm not comfortable with him, period. And so it's it, it, it's tough. And But like I said, as far as I'm concerned, it's a two and a half quarterback class. Two guys I'm comfortable with saying they're franchise quarterbacks. Someone like Richardson who could be, and maybe if I had to bet on, I guess I would as opposed to not. And then outside of that, it's just shooting dice in the bathroom. So you, I just want to jump in real quick. So you know how like Jimmy G that, that story came out that like this, like Nevada brothel, like offered him like free, like sex for life while he was there. Like I could see Jimmy G getting that offer and then just like not going, like being like, Oh, that's nice. Like whatever. Like I'll retweet that. Um, but like, Dude, Will Levis might go. <laughs> like, if he gets the same offer, like, I feel like he would go. You know, I he think, just live there. He would just live there. I think Jimmy G would go. He's got like on record dating porn stars. Like, I think he would go. And like, you know, I'm not judging him. Like, I'm, you know, all right. It's yeah. Kyler Murray clauses in the contracts for all these quarterbacks. Yeah. On, so. No video games for Kyler Murray. No brothels for Will Levis and Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good way to end it, guys. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. Bobby, it was great having you back. Uh, to everybody out there, if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. That's where you can find our content at all22 underscore PFF. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is. And everybody have a great day. Go FAU. Whoop. Let's go.